For a long time now, I've meant to have a guest on to talk about values, not just personal values, yours or mine, but professional values, what your values are, how to discover them, how to be guided by them, and of course, how to share them with your customers. But what are values to do with business? Well, it turns out a lot, actually. And I think it's because they shape the kinds of work we do as consultants, as trainers, as facilitators. They influence why we do the work we do. And of course, it helps to clarify exactly the value of the work we do for people, both to us and to our clients. And I think also that values are a guidance system because they help to identify the kind of work that we do best and how to attract the kind of clients for whom we do our best work. And for that reason, I'm delighted today to have on a guest who is called Mark Hughes, and he runs a business called MCH Positive Impact. Mark is an independent facilitator and coach, and we're going to share his values with you, how he came from the corporate world as a consultant with McKinsey to working with a social enterprise uh, based in Australia, in fact, called Rumbalara, and how that influenced, that experience influenced his personal and then, of course, professional values as a trainer. So Mark has got eight values. We're going to look at what those are, how he's come to find out what those mean to him, and of course, from your perspective, why you need to come up with yours. This is episode 126 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey! And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hi, my name is Mark. I'm the host of the Training Business Podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome you to yet another episode of the show. This is the show for you, for people like you and me, for freelance trainers, for training consultants, facilitators, training business owners all around the world. And we have listeners just like you all around the world. And the goal of this episode and every episode of the show every Thursday is to help you to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business. As I said before the music, we have a guest today whose name is Mark Hughes, initials quite similar to mine, Mark Hayes, MH, Mark Hughes. And Mark runs a business called MCH Positive Impact. And the subject of today's episode is, as you'll hear in a moment, the importance of values, both understanding them, why you have to be conscious of them, how to shape them, and of course, how to leverage them when dealing with your clients. Mark, good morning, and thanks for being my guest today. Pleasure. Really good to be here. So uh, let's begin with why you wanted to be a trainer. You were previously an employee with a strategic consulting firm, McKinsey, uh, worldwide. What was your thinking that made you transition to being a trainer? Yeah, and I, I know we're going to be talking about values, so this may come across as the, the yearbook answer, but it, it really was uh, driven by my values. And I think uh, although I've been a trainer since, what, 2005 now, so for, for quite a while, I have had quite a meandering career. You, you've touched on the fact that I work from, I did work for McKinsey. You know, I've also been a research chemist. I've also been a chief executive of a, an Aboriginal sporting and community development organisation. And although people may look at that or kind of 
hear that list and think, you know, there's no connection there at all with any of those things. The 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 one commonality to, to all those careers was that it, it fitted with my values, um, particularly the values of, of, of being of service, of, of, of wanting to do a, a good job of whatever it is I'm doing. And also, I guess, fun. Uh, you know, life's too short to do stuff that you don't that you don't enjoy. And so for me, training very much is at the heart of, I guess, those three concentric circles. And that, you know, I, I feel that I am being of, of real service to, to individuals. You know, I'm, I'm helping individuals, teams, organizations effectively be their best selves. And that's of real service. And it's it's also just incredibly rewarding and enjoyable. And um trying you know, not to be too arrogant about things, but I think I, I do a good job of that as well. And so it's a, it's a really good, um, yeah, I guess, interlinkage of, of, of those three core values I have. So if, if we define values then, almost scientifically, um, I looked up some definition by two academics, Wilson and Dufresne from 2009, and, it, and they say that values are defined as things which are freely chosen, verbally constructed consequences of ongoing, dynamic, evolving patterns of activity, which establish predominant reinforces for actions which are intrinsic in engagement in the valued behavioral pattern itself. That's academic language. <laughs> it's of no use to me. But um, if we think of what values really mean in a very simplistic term, these are the things which guide how we behave, the choices we make. Why are values important in the context of being a facilitator, a trainer, a coach, someone who runs their own business helping other people? I, I think the reason why values are important in, in, in my work is that it helps you, I guess, to, to relate to people. I mean, what I do is, in essence, it's, it's a relationship, whether I'm training or whether I'm mentoring or whether I'm facilitating, it's, it's relational. And so I think first and foremost, it, it, it helps people discern whether I'm just going to be a good fit for them and whether I think I'll be a good fit for, for them too. So it's, you know, it's a mutual understanding. So I think it really helps discern whether relationships are, 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 are going to, to, to work. Um, and I think, you know, as a, as a, as a trainer, as a mentor, it's, um, Absolutely, some of the things I'm doing to help people be their best selves is, you know, is, is really quite practical. I'm, I'm perhaps explaining uh, the concept of emotional intelligence or negotiation, and, and there are tips and, 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 and ideas and frameworks for that. But then there's also the other dimension around helping provide a space where they can ask and hopefully answer the, the fundamental questions, such as, well, do I really want to be a leader? Or do I want to be a manager? Or, you know, why why doesn't this role seem to really be fulfilling to me? Um, and I think they, answering those types of, of, of questions does require you to, to, to tap into one's values. Yeah, I think if I can respond to my own question here, I think in a business context, if you know what your values are, you're effectively declaring to yourself and to other people that you know what's important to you and it also shapes your best work. It It naturally synchronizes with the kinds of clients you want to work with, the kinds of work you want to engage in, the kinds of people you want to help. It also clarifies then, strategically speaking, uh, what it is you stand for. It helps you as a business owner to say no to things, to know when to say no, because without knowing what 
you are naturally drawn to, what instinctively drives you, where you'll do your best work, you can become rudderless or directionless quite quickly. And often this is what happens when we start off in the business as facilitators, as coaches. We're willing to work with anyone uh, for anything, so we become all kinds of things to all kinds of people. And the people, I think, who are comfortable in their skin when it comes to running their business and knowing where they do their best work and the kinds of people they wish to attract are very clear on that real sense of this is what I do, this is who I am, this is what I stand for, and also what I will not uh, say yes to, what I will not do. It helps to clarify what your business offers, right? So if you think of what you've gone through in your mind since 2005 to choose your values, what did you do? Did they come to you naturally? Did you write them down? Were you guided on them by someone else? What was your thinking that clarified what those values are for you? We'll come to what they are in a moment. You've given me a list of things. What was the process of of choosing them? So I guess, I mean, the process, whether this is usual or unusual, I'm not sure. I I suppose, you know, I've known people who went about this the same way, others not. But I I suppose I felt I had a quite a strong sense of them at really quite an early age. I mean, we're talking about the teenage years here. I I started to formulate them. And again, you know, this is perhaps, you know, we could go onto the psychiatrist's couch and say, well, how did that happen? And it's probably a mixture of, you know, nature and nurture and and, and various experiences. But I, I, I certainly felt incredibly lucky um you know just to to be in the country i was the fact that i could go to school and and that sense of wanting particularly i suppose in the teenage years when i was thinking about you know what am i going to do after school there was absolutely a very clear sense um at that age that i didn't want to do something that just lined my own pockets that i really wanted to feel that i was having a positive impact on the society in which i was lucky enough to be to, to be in or help societies that weren't as, as, as fortunate as, as, as my own. So I think there was there was definitely um, a, a formative process that, that helped um, define them at a high level. And then it's I, I think it is quite experiential. Um, but, I mean, there, there were, there's certainly through my career, I've absolutely taken values, you know, inventory, assessments, and, and sometimes just looking at a list of values and asking you know, yourself, well, which ones resonate with me? So, it, um, But I think there's, there's also just that re- reflective practice that I've, you know, and a number of guys have found really useful. Um, and just you know, as, as time goes on, you know, what, what are things, what's going on well in my life, what's not? And if there's any sort of strong, if you have a strong reaction to anything, Chances, I mean, that's that's your emotions are being triggered, and your your values are often not too far away from your emotions. So I think it's that reflective practice that. Um, but it's, it's 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 an ongoing process. I mean, I'd say I felt that I had it, you know, relatively well defined. But it's often until you experience something that um, you really start to either discern further or just really sharpen exactly you know what that value means in, in practice so I mean to give you an example I uh, you know started a, a relationship with someone a few years back and they you know they're also a, you know, a leader they're a leader of, uh, of, a, of a private sector firm and uh, by you know becoming involved of, of, of in them and 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 th- their business you know th- there was a, a, a slight 
personal, professional tension because it, I, I, and they were no, you know, they're, they're a good employer, they're, they're, you know, strong corporate social responsibility, but there was an element to which, you know, I felt they were perpetuating inequality in society by, you know, what they were paying their top staff versus um, the, the, you know, the staff who, who weren't, like the fee-earning staff, and also, you know, the, the, the extent to which, or the extent to which they weren't contributing to, you know, broader societal issues. And it was only by that experience of, um, you know, forming a relationship with somebody, that I really started to understand just how important, for example, the value of equality was to me. Now, I've always, looking back, it's, it's obvious because so many of my career choices have um, rested on that that premise. And again, that was a you know a, a, a real driver in why I set up my own training company. But it's often it's just through that experience that it, it, it sharpens the uh, the value itself. Yeah. So if we take you, you went from McKinsey then to Rumbalara, which is an Aboriginal um, entity, a development, community development organization in Australia. That's a huge handbrake turn. And I, I would imagine that clarified in your mind the kinds of work you wanted to do and have since done, because right now, as I understand it, you're working with a lot of um, NGOs or or nonprofits, social enterprise. Is that fair to say that's your client base right now? Yes, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, since and again, yeah, yeah, why why was that my client base? And again, looking back, it's obvious that you know equality was at its heart. You know, I felt that um, you know charities, social enterprises were doing you know an amazing amount of, of good work. But they also needed support and, and training and, and consultancy and, 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 and coaching and mentoring. And I suppose there's that sense of wanting to provide, hopefully, you know, a really high level of service, almost McKinsey standard level of service, but not at McKinsey prices um, for those who can afford to pay for McKinsey prices. Um, so it was, it was absolutely, so yes, so, so I'd say that the, um, it, it absolutely informed my uh, strategic decision as to, to who my client base was, very much picking up on your point about how values really do help or clarify. Um, they, they, they're just a really useful, practical decision-making tool about what you do and what you don't do, which is what really a strategy fundamentally is. It's, it's about deciding what you're going to do and then articulating that decision well to, to those who matter. So, so we, can, we can choose our values through almost by accident, in the sense that they, through experiential learning, we just through living, through fun, and through working with people and being asked to do particular kinds of consulting work, we realize, hey, this is actually, this is important to me. I want to do this again. And, and I think why, if I reflect on why, what does this mean for my business? Well, it means probably that if I do more of the work that's important to me, that I get satisfaction from, I'm more than likely going to get better at it. And therefore, charge more, um, win more clients, and and enjoy the work I do. And I, I saw a diagram a number of years ago, which has always stuck in my mind, and it's, got, it's three concentric circles. The first circle is the things that you love to do. The second circle are the things that you are paid to do or can be paid very well to do. And the third circle are the things that you're world class at. So we're not just saying values in the sense that you know, we're talking about your personality and and what you should like. If we're if we're being business people, we've got to say, what are the values that tell me this is what I should be doing more of? Because I'm getting feedback from from people 
that this is where I'm helping them the most. I'm getting feedback financially because this is where I'm earning the most. And I'm getting feedback from myself because this is where I'm having the most fun. So if we think of what your values are, we can talk about a value exercise in a moment for people listening. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight key values. Is that fair to say? So equality is the first one. And I guess this links back or ties back to your experience with Rumbalara. Um, and of course, then your experience in the relationship, which you alluded to. The second one is service. What, why is service on your list of values? And I, I think, again, it comes back to that sense. I just feel incredibly lucky. Um, and, you know, my luck, yes, has been an element of, you know, of, of hard work. I've, you know, studied and sat exams, but so much of why I'm where I am today has got absolutely nothing to do with me. You know, it's an accident of birth. I was just born in a particular country that allowed me to go to school. I was born into a family that, you know, provided more than just a modicum of, um, you know, food and, and shelter. And so there's always been that sense of um, feeling with that luck comes a responsibility. Grateful. I, yeah, you could almost call this gratitude, couldn't you, in a way? Yeah, 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 yeah I think absolutely. And, and, and I really like, I mean, the, the, the three concentric circles, it comes, I think, from, you mentioned, is, is uh, Peter's is what, you know, the good to the great. Um, and it's a great book. Um, and I guess I would just probably perhaps increasingly add a fourth circle to that, which is the one of uh, whether it be service or, or purpose, because I think most people want to go from I to we. It's not just a case of, well, you know, what? how do I manage to, to uh, live my life? But actually, how can I uh, you know, be part of something greater than my, my, myself? Yeah, it's that principle of service, uh, servant leadership, I think it's called, isn't it? We're leaders because we are subject matter experts in as trainers, as consultants, but we're service people because we're actually helping other people to be better versions of themselves, improve their businesses, attract more customers, make more money, et cetera, uh, do better things. Balance is your is your third one. Balance, that's an interesting one. I wouldn't have thought of that as a value, but just let's tell me why that's on your list of values as a professional. Yeah, and and I mean again, and I, that was probably a, another reason for again why I founded MCH. You know, I'd, I'd worked as a chief executive, and that was an incredibly rewarding experience. Um, but it was also really very intensive. And at the time of you know, leaving that and coming back to the UK, it was also the time when I decided that I, you know, if God willing, I, you know, I wanted to have children, so I wanted to be a father. And I guess I just didn't feel I could do, at that time anyway, both really well. I, I couldn't be a, a really great chief executive and a, and a great dad. And so there was a need for to, to balance and to not just look and compartmentalise my life that was work over here but there's, and there's not work over here, that both need to be in, in balance. And so I felt that actually by starting my own company and having the, the freedom and the autonomy that that, that gives me, I would be able to to have that 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 balance. So, yeah, for, for me, balance is, is is key because if if what you're doing in your workplace isn't in balance with life outside of work and, and vice versa, it's really unlikely that you're going to be successful and you're going to enjoy it and you're going to deliver your your, your best work. So, um, yeah, that's that's why for me, I, I place a, a lot of. You're taking from something, aren't you? you the balance suggests that there is um, presence in, in both home life and work life. There's, there's um, enjoyment professionally and personally. 
And I think it's come to the fore more and more in, in the recent 12 months. People are conscious of their, uh, the lack of liberty, inability to travel. And now people have, you know, they're buying family pets and they're conscious of their home environment because they're spending more time in it. Number four is fun and positivity. I resonate, or that resonates with me definitely, because I think of all the times as a consultant where, or a trainer where I've just taken work because it's paying me well, but it's not something I really like to do. And I think maybe it's because with age, we, we just become more confident to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I could earn money doing it, but I don't like doing it. I don't like the people or the company or the brand. So... Is that something that we can, as professionals, say belongs on a list of things, you know, fun? Does it sound selfish or is that realistic? I don't think, I, I mean, you could look at it through that lens, but I, I guess, again, it, to me, it just makes incredible business sense. I have yet to come across a high-performing team, a high-performing organization where there's no laughter, where there's no fun. Um, and I think, you know, some of the analysis that's been done, the, a book that I'd recommend to people is, is The Happy Manifesto by, by Henry Stewart. And in the opening part of that, that book, he, he re- references some analysis that was done around business performance and, you know, staff happiness, essentially. And, you know, happy organizations do perform far better than unhappy ones. So I think even if you're just very much focused on the, the bottom line, um, thinking about one's happiness and, and fun is um, yeah well worth it because it makes financial sense. But yeah, I think for me it's also about you know, just life's too short to be doing stuff that you don't you don't enjoy, and particularly if you're lucky enough to have you know to be able to choose. Um, you know why choose stuff that is going to make you unhappy? It just and, and I think it's it also helps with sustainability. I, I say I mean, I've been going now for about fifteen years. And I can genuinely, I can only think of one client that I've genuinely not enjoyed working for. Um, and I think, you know, it, and, and I think that is part in part because I really have placed, you know, fun and enjoyment, at, you know, as one of my key metrics for whether um, I want to do work or not. And, and I think you can, you can, um, you know, monitor and, 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 uh, values. So just as I, yes, I absolutely have a cash book and I, I you know, monitor incomes and outgoings and all, that, all those sort of things. But I also do have measures for balance. You know, I do record how often do I have to work at weekends. You know, I, I, I work a four day week in part to provide balance between work and, and, and life outside of work. And it's, a, you know, I, I, and I do monitor, it does, is that sacrosanct? And or do I have to sometimes dip into working on Monday? And if so, that that's an issue. That's that's an, an alarm. So I think you, you, I guess what you can, there are metrics for measuring it. And I think even something as esoteric as fun um, or qualitative as fun, you, you can still through reflection actually, you know, how much would I rate that that engagement on a scale of one to 10 on, on fun? And if not, well, that therefore that it's not that you don't do it. As a trainer, if, if you can say, you know, listening to this, if, if there are days when I'm knackered, I'm tired, I'm pooped, I'm really exhausted, but I come away with a smile on my face because I've, you know, I'm 10 feet tall. And I can tell you there are days when I'm thinking, I cannot believe I'm paid to do this. I just love it so much. So I'm, also there's a reason, I think, from a business perspective, is, it's fun isn't just something that's, that sounds, you know, childlike. It, it makes sense because if you think of, of our examples, uh, when the times we've got the best testimonials from people, that's often because we've managed to transfer not just the, the information, but the motivation to learn from us. 
And it's so much easier to learn something from, from a trainer if that trainer is enthusiastic, if they're passionate about the subject. And it's very hard to have fun if you're not being you know, passionate about what you're doing. So you, you learn more and emotion and memory work closely in the brain. So we all find it easier to recall something when we've become emotionally involved in storing it in our minds. So I think sim- not simplistically, but, but practically speaking, people are going to learn more from us and, and change uh, will be easier when we deliver an, uh, an element of fun of, of passion with our training. I think absolutely, you know, and I think training, I think it's particularly pertinent in training actually. And because the research is quite clear, you talked about, you know, it might seem childlike, but in some ways that's exactly what you want the, the training environment to be. You want it to be quite childlike because with childlike, you know, it is about being curious and it is about giving it a go and being you know comfortable with not getting it right first time. I mean, that's, that's almost what you want to get back to in a training environment that, that, that real energy to to explore and inquire that is quite childlike. We've kind of touched upon the, the next one of your values already, which is which is health, and in some respects that ties in with um, balance because we're obviously with the pandemic at the moment, or perhaps people are listening to this in the future, but we're we're definitely conscious now of health, of longevity, of stress levels, of eating well, of exercising. So we'll we'll assume that that's been reasonably well covered. I think people are, have been absolutely bombarded with articles and 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 content on that sub- subject. The next one is integrity, and that 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 to my mind is a non-negotiable. You really can't have client relationships if people don't feel that you're honest, that you are You've, you've got their best interests at heart. So talk to me about why integrity from your perspective is on that list. So I, I think it's absolutely, you know, it, it helps, you know, just in terms of, the, again, relational dynamics with, with clients. But I think it also just helps with one's own sense of self, Um of what's right, what's wrong, maybe. Well, exactly. And just to, to ensure that you can keep looking yourself in the mirror and be happy with what you see. Um, you know, so you know, one example comes to mind. I get when I was chief executive at, at Rumbalara, the Aboriginal Sporting and Community Development Organization that you've referred to, um, you know, I joined at really quite a, a tricky time. You know, they they were financially in, in, in real strife. And Therefore, there was absolutely a review of, you know, who are we purchasing from and, and those types of things. And as a as a sporting organization, we spent a lot of money on, you know, agricultural um, you know, fertilizers and tractor parts and all that type of stuff. And there were a couple of suppliers in the town. And I went to see one and, um, you know, I told them who I was and, and where I was from. And they just said, oh, right. So you're with the Blackfella organization. Well, um, yeah, if you're going to come with us, you know, you're going to have to pay cash because we don't trust, you know, black fellow organizations. Now, you know, that was just completely out of order. Now, you know, they were by far and away the cheapest of the two suppliers, but that was just a non-starter. You know, I just would have completely lacked integrity given, you know, who I was and what I was doing to, to just do any sort of business with with them. Um so it just, yeah, you know, almost from a self-preservation point of view, if nothing else, integrity is 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 key, and it, and again, it just helps so much with the decision-making process as well. It does, and and you know, when I'm when I'm using this pr- practically speaking, 
um, we're, we're, it's helpful when you've got a boundary statement, isn't it? We're saying, you know, integrity, practically, it's a notion, but practically speaking, when you can say, this is a thing I will not cross, this is a thing I will not do, um, this is a non-negotiable. Integrity is means to me that I will not work with these kinds of organizations for whatever reason that could be or because of past behavior. Um, the next one's relationships. That's another one which is definitely big because as people running our own business, we're building relationships with people who who hire us. We've got to strengthen relationships with them, the people who, when this challenge comes to their mind, they think of our brand, they think of MCH, for example. Um, how, why, and how do you do you work that particular one? Number 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 seven relationships. Yeah, and this is probably one that that has you know very much evolved over time you know it wasn't something that was you know whereas the likes of service was there from yeah i say teenage years this this has come from from experience and I, and I think it's just been brought born by the fact that through reflection it's relationships are what brings purpose to uh, to to one's life because i certainly i have found that very little of any true worth that i've done has been completely done on my own or has only impacted me. You know, relationships are what it's all about. Um, and so, you know, if if I'm if I don't feel that a relationship is one that I want to be a part of, well, um yeah, it, it, rarely does it you know pay to, to invest too much time in it. So yeah, I, I think it is just that a very simple level. It's it's what brings purpose to, to my life. And I'll think about the different kind of relationships as well as a consultant, that we, we have to have relationships with the people who are the gatekeepers, they're the people who are uh, training coordinators, they're the people who are perhaps heads of, of business uh, units. So, for example, I would work with a lot of people who are sales leaders, sales managers, but I'm also dealing with the people who coordinate the training. And for people who might um, be the initial people I speak with to sort of uh, qualify me in terms of my uh, professional track record and ability to help. So there, it's very hard to be a trainer or to be a consultant or facilitator without being really good at at developing relationships and uh, starting new ones and and using, well, not in a negative sense, but using them to your own ends. To, if you want to get people to hire you, you have to be good at developing relationships with the people who can say yes to you, right? And so the last one then is quality. And it's interesting you've left quality to last. Maybe it's just the way I wrote them down, but quality is definitely a big one because everything we sell comes with a promise, doesn't it? It's not just the price. It's it's if I give you a communication skills program, a leadership program, a sales program, a resilience program, um, I'm basically standing over what I'm delivering because I want you to, to as a client, to get benefit from this, something that's measurable. So that's a very tricky one sometimes. If quality is easy to say, isn't it? You know, we, we, we're a quality training provider. We're a quality whatever. What does that really mean? And and it's interesting that this one has come last because, to, to my mind, at, at least for, for me in terms of how I try and live my values, if if I am really strong on the previous seven. You know the service, the balance, the equality, the fun, the health, the integrity, the relationships. Quality takes care of itself to a large degree. So it almost quality, in some ways, is is the outcome. Um, I think the the preemptive part of the, the the value of equality is just, I guess, the mantra that if something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. 
And am I going to be the person that can do this well? Or actually, you know what? Is there somebody else that would be better in this for this particular piece of work to the client? And it's then, I suppose, a mixture of quality and humility to, to, to say, well, actually, you know what? I think you should speak to so-and-so because I think they are, they'd be better placed to help you on this. Yeah. So, so as, as consultants, if, if you're right, if, if we have quality uppermost in mind, we should be comfortable saying, actually, the, the best person to do this is not me. It's someone else, and, and here's here's the referral. Yeah, and I think that then that is just key. I think it is just that um, just being realistic. You cannot be good at everything, you know, because in so many walks of life, um, you know, we, we we generally do sit on a, a you know a standard bell distribution curve, and I'm absolutely comfortable with the fact that in a lot of areas of my life, I am average, and in quite a few, I'm poor, and it's by making sure that when it comes to my 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 training work. I'm hopefully towards the, you know, good to, uh, you know, the other end of the bell curve, you know, the good to excellent end of, of, of the bell curve. And it's just, again, um, that, that self-awareness piece of just knowing what you are good at, going back to your, your concentric circles, whether it's three or four, it's just being really clear about what's in the, the circle of, you know, what am I world-class at? What am I really good at? Um, and yeah, that does take reflection, but it's about being, again, and this is where, the values do start to um, coalesce quite nicely because you've got to have a sufficient amount of integrity to know that actually, you know what, that this thing that I really wish I was good at, it's not in that circle. I wish it was, but it's not. Um, and I think that's where I say they, they do coalesce. So if you get the other ones right, quality can to a degree take care of itself. So we, what we haven't covered yet is how people come up with them, practically speaking. People could come up with them just by stumbling upon them. They've experienced them. You went to Rumbalara. You, it, some things uh, happened. You were very clear then on, on particular values. Some we don't discover till later in life. If someone wants to think of what their values are right now as they're listening to this, they could perhaps do one of a range of, of questionnaires. There are plenty of tools online which can help you come up with values. Otherwise, you could get post-it notes, put them on the wall and see which ones, you know, speak to you most. Um, one final question, though, is, is there any value commercially, commercially speaking, to sharing these with your customers? I know some people put them on their websites. Some people might say that's a bit touchy-feely. Uh, I have an about page, I have a products page, a services page. Is there any point in putting values down where people can see them? Not just me. I... I... I personally would say yes, uh, but then again, I would say that, wouldn't, wouldn't I? Because you would, I yes. think values are important. <laughs> but I guess, but, but I think that the, the practical benefit of being clear, again, it comes back to where we started actually, about the, the, the clarity. Um, you know, it, it can really help people decide whether they want to work with you or not. And so it can just save quite a lot of time. And because, I mean, as I say, there's, there's no right or wrong values. You know, we're, we're not talking about good or bad here. It is just these are the things that I find to be important to me. And by expressing that, it can help people say, well, actually, does, does that resonate with me? If so, that's a good sign. Or if you know what, you know, that that actually leads to a fair amount of dissonance, what, what Mark's saying when, he, when he's talking about values. That's absolutely fine. Um, it, and it's it's probably hopefully quite useful because it perhaps suggests that I'm not going to be the right person for you. And, and I, again, you can't be all things to, to to all people. So in a kind of in a way, Mark, it's a double edged sword. If if you if you put those in a place people can see them, you better believe them. You better behave according to them. 
or you're, you're kind of creating problems for yourself. So, so think long and hard about the merits of, of values to you. But when you put them in a commercial sense and you put them in front of people and you publicly declare them, you have to stand over them. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why, certainly for me, my, my values are on the same page as my company's vision. And just like a vision really shouldn't change, you know, north is north. Um, and it's something you really, sh- you know, cataclysmic should happen before you start thinking with that. I think your yeah, values like vision are, are the same. So I absolutely would agree that um, it, it benefits from refinement, reflection, um, and just often articulating them to people. I mean, I, I find you know sharing my values with with others, and and really encouraging them to challenge them and, and to inquire. It helps me refine them further. So yes, I'd agree. Um, I think it, it can um, be counterproductive to put them up and then six months later says, oh no, actually it's not these three, it's these four, and oh no, actually no, now it's only mm. two. <laughs> yeah, people people want yeah. I, I, we consistency. Are yeah. We want, yeah, exactly. We want consistency. So I think um, yeah. Ideally, the yeah w- when they go up and um, they stay up. And if you're part of a team, this is a great exercise. It also perhaps uncovers what people are doing. If you're working with other consultants, other trainers, it's not a bad exercise to run. Actually, it's, you know what what and perhaps even involve other people in your thinking. What do you think is important to me, and and how have I behaved accordingly? And and sometimes we learn from just listening to other people say, actually, I think this sounds like it's important to you, and here's why. Um, or there are times when um, you haven't shown this. And, and actually, something else which comes to my mind is is the the value of having this conversation with some of your clients you know when you think of me what do you think of what what values what what values come to your mind when you think of my brand as a consultant as a trainer no I, i've done that and i find that really useful i mean i every quarter i send um you know I, I, an anonymous uh, request for feedback from all the clients i've served within that last quarter and I, I ask them exactly that you know what words do you associate with mch and then you know formulate them in a word cloud and it, yeah, that can be really quite insightful because it, again, it helps with the reflective process of you know, do these words that clients are are describing me as do they fit with my values? Do they explicitly mention them, or at least are they are they resonant with them? And if they're not, well, actually, um, yeah, I need to have a you know think about why why that's that's not the case. But I, and I think something you you spoke about is actually there's a real I guess powerful implication of values in that particularly if you're looking to grow your training business or you, know, you want to work with associates, um, yeah, I would, I think, being mindful of, you know, a resonant set of values, you don't have to be identical, but ideally they should be resonant with one another, is really, I think, quite key for a long-term lasting associate arrangement or, you know, a genuine partnership arrangement. And I think not to, to consider them, um, you know, is doing so at your peril. But I think it does have business implications in terms of it, it can make growth slower. Um, you know, I have found it uh, because I place so much importance on values, you know, the number of associates that I have where I really feel, yes, there's a real strong resident resonance here and we can be authentic together. Um, it's it's there's not a great number. So so what you're saying effectively is if you're thinking of growing beyond just you and and hiring other people as employees or even working with VAs or even um, having other people 
deliver training on your behalf as associates, it makes business sense to attract the kinds of people who recognize your values, who agree with those values, because in the long term, what businesses find is that growth is is enabled and business succeeds when we have people who value the same things, think the same way. And this is true, isn't it? If you go to any company, I've you know, over the companies I've worked for over the years, at some point it's been made clear to me what what the values are. And they differ from organization to organization. So if we're not being really clear on not just the work we want to do, but whom we want to do the work with, that can have consequence. So if you're listening to this and thinking of growing a team or you have a team, it's a great question to ask yourself. How do I know that the people I've hired doing the work with my clients share my values and their values too? And I I think although it makes absolute, and I'm convinced it makes long-term business sense, sometimes there can be short-term consequences that, you know, I, I, I can think of one or two occasions where, you know what, yeah, I could have got a couple of people in you know, if I'd even just kind of launched it because there was a this piece of work needed done, doing, but you know what? No, I I, I turned it down because I, I couldn't hand and heart feel that I could get the people that I wanted uh, that were that we were going to be unified in the way that we were going to do things. So it, it sometimes can have you, you take a short you can perhaps take a short term hit, um, but I think it, uh, it there's absolutely long term gain in doing so. Yeah. So in summary, have. Um, reflect on on the values that you have. If not, maybe you've not yet written them down. Not a bad exercise. Doesn't take very long to do. And then think of whom you could confirm these values with. They don't necessarily come from you. Your loved ones, people you work with, colleagues, even clients could confirm what they think your values are based upon past experience. Reflect on those and then think, what does this mean for my business? Do, does this tell me something? And what should I do with this information? Does this tell me more about the clients I could be working with, the kinds of people I am working with, the kinds of work I'm doing, the kinds of work I could be doing or should be doing? And then how will this shape the direction of my business from now on? Um, It's a really interesting discussion, Mark. I'm glad I had this because I've not yet focused anything on on values and yet it's been such a theme in the past 12 months people talking on LinkedIn about their values and sharing their values and reflecting on their values. Um, where can people find out more about you, Mark, and your business? So my business is MCH Positive Impact. Um, and yes, the website is um, imaginatively mchpositiveimpact.com. Um, so yeah, that's where to, to find me. And, and yeah, if anyone has any questions, even if, again, if they want to explore further their values, very happy to to, to to have to have a chat, and and I think you've, it was a really good summary, Mark. The, the one addition I'd have is that you know once you formulated them, is to really just try and live them, and and you, if you can actually you know embed it in in your business operations. So, so you know I I have developed metrics for a number of my values that I you know that they're on the spreadsheet in the same way that um, you know profit and loss are on on the spreadsheet, and you know profitability per client is, and I think there is something about you know, measuring the values in the same way that you measure other aspects of the business can, can really help. Yeah. Think of them as like a, an asset, not not just a notion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Brilliant. Mark, thank you for being my guest today on the show. Pleasure. It's been really good to be here. My sincere thanks to Mark Hughes for being my guest today and thank you for your time. 
as listeners to the show, and I appreciate your listenership, your loyalty, your continued interest in the episodes that we have every single week. And for that reason, I'm grateful to you for your contact. Please keep your emails coming, suggestions for episodes, suggestions for content, for guests. And the email address to use is mark at trainingbusiness.com. I do read them personally and reply individually to you in person. It's not something I give out to someone else to do. It's something I take pleasure in doing. And for that reason, I do accept gratefully all feedback, criticism, direction from you, the listeners, because without you, this would not be a valid show. And I'm delighted to say that the statistics are up. People are listening. Please keep on subscribing. And that's something which costs you nothing. If you've not yet done that, please click on the subscribe button right now because this helps to raise the profile of the show and, of course, to bring the show to other people just like you and me. And this is the reason I have the podcast is to help people like you and me thinking of the the requirements that I would have and the the information I would look for. And that's what I endeavor to do each week to bring you that kind of content. You can subscribe, of course, to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice, be it Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or many other ones. However you find the show, please find your way back to the show next Thursday, next week. So until next time, look after yourself, keep on training and selling. Take care. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.